This podcast is brought to you with limited interruption by Rudy Luther Toyota. Whether looking for an exciting brand new Toyota, a certified pre-owned vehicle, or getting quality routine maintenance and service for your vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota is the place to go. Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. Subscribe to the podcast Beyond Politics. They host some of the biggest names and smartest minds. Beyond Politics is from a former Democratic congressman who helped ignite Barack Obama's campaign and a former campaign manager and political columnist. They go beyond the usual chatter on politics, news, science, and books. It's politics and everything beyond. On Beyond Politics, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Broadcasting on AM 950, the Progressive Talk in Minnesota, and WCPT 820 Chicago's Progressive Talk. It is the Matt McNeil Show. Back in studio on your Friday, the 29th of December. Good to be with you today. Matt and Patrick here. Uh, it is our tradition. I hope you, first of all, I hope you've been enjoying the brand new to you shows we've been putting out there. They have been, I, I'm just just flummoxed at how good they've been this year. We've had Paul Nyland on, Cliff Schechter. We had uh, both Bill Corbett and uh, Trace Ballou on from Mystery Science Theater 3000 and Rift Tracks and uh, the Mads are back, respectively. We had Austin Dury from the band Dury. We had Brittle Star, the Canadian comedian, kind of join us. Uh, we got two more brand new to you shows yet to come on New Year's Day and then on Tuesday the 2nd. Then we will be back live in studio on the 3rd. So enjoy those. And by the way, we've had a few people contact me. It's like, why are, are, when we were going to post the, the podcast, those will all be posted on January 2nd. All right. You'll have them all there. You can browse and stroll through the merriment of your heart's desire at that point. Speaking of heart's desire, Jeff Steins, our national and presidential expert, noted author, find his books, which make fantastic New Year's Eve stocking stuffers. Uh, they are over at Next Chapter Books, totallyiowa.com, and of course, a lot of your favorite book retailers. Uh, the Iowa Business Report, the Iowa Politics Report, come to, his, to come to us from his home station, KXEL, Cedar Falls, Waterloo, Iowa. And Jeff is kind enough to join us for our full hour to talk year in review and a look ahead to 2024. Hi, Jeff. How are you, my friend? Well, I don't know, because you just went through this. Oh, I hope you enjoyed the the new-to-you shows. They were so wonderful, and uh, we'll have more new-to-you shows. But in between, here's here's a garbage film. Oh, yeah, this is just, you know, you know, bad planning on my behalf. I mean, this would be brand new to you if I could count. Uh, <laughs> if you had your vacation days accurately spaced out, you're a ghost today, aren't you? Actually, no. You and I have done this. For our folks in Chicago, no, this is not a this is not a flub we have come back and done the new year's the the last show of the year whatever that may be in this case new year's eve being on sunday we do it today um we do a year-end review show and we've done this for gosh what 10 years now oh goodness if it's 10 years it's probably more like 20 yeah uh, you know and and given how the last year has gone the last year alone has seemed like four I have aged. It's I'm I'm like the portrait of Dorian Gray at this point, man. <laughs> Just as an ancient, ancient creature. Uh, <laughs> you know, the Christmas card comes and he says, "What a nice family." Who's the old man? Oh, oh my God, God. <laughs> sweet Jesus! What happened to him? Uh, Isn't it nice that Grandpa's in the phone? Fo- oh, that's Matt. <laughs> Grandpa. That's why I don't send out Christmas cards, holiday cards, anything. Nobody needs to see. <laughs> the ravages of age as they come alive. Grandpa, you mean Chester A. Arthur there. What the hell? 
I, you know, it's your show. I'm a guest. I'm trying to be polite. Well, yeah, well there's always time for a first. Um, New Year's resolution. There, there you, know. you go. So uh, we let's let's. Why don't we just catch up since we last talked uh, a, a week, week ago, ago, a little more than a week ago? There have been a few developments. Uh, first of all, in the uh, dictionary, if you look up unforced error, it says Nikki Haley. I okay. It's not a gotcha question if it's why is the sun yellow? Well, it's hydrogen burning, as opposed to it's not yellow, it's blue. Next question. You know, I I don't why in God you're from South Carolina. You know, I think in the actual letter from South Carolina it says we're leaving because we want to keep slavery. How when you get asked that question? Do you not say, oh, yes, it was about slavery. It was a, a scourge on our country. We're glad it's gone. And next question. I mean, I, I just, how do you screw that up? How do you not begin the answer with, you'll recall that when I was governor of South Carolina, we changed the flag. Yes. And we brought the, lead with the strong suit. Yes. I, here's the thing. I think she was trying to get into some of the more nuanced arguments about preserving the union. But that's, you know, you're from South Carolina. Okay. I mean, it, I, I, I sort of get it, but the, the concept of the walk it back statement being, well, uh, of course it was slavery. I, that was first, I, you know, it was kind of like everybody knew slavery. So I thought I'd get into reasons two through 15. Um, now uh, you'll find this humorous. I am interviewing Ambassador Haley in about two hours. Are you? I are. Okay. I, uh, well, keep in mind, again, for the audience's benefit, I'm in Iowa. You might have heard we got something going on January 15th. Okay. And so for, for, had, for everyone uh, in Chicago right now, you don't know what access to politicians is like until you spent oh an God. election season in Iowa. They are like calling you up saying, I'll go have breakfast with you. And it is, I mean, and, and nothing... Nothing is more exciting than having, uh, you know, uh, you know, a politician from Texas sit down and talk about wildlife eggs. You know, like oh my god, you know, it, it's it is really nonstop. If you have a show like Jeff's is in Iowa, which is actually fairly well respected, you you're going to get calls. Well, it, it it's like the old days for you when it was. You know, I find the pizza ranch down the road from you in Nevada to be especially attractive. That's a great, great uh, spit shield on the salad bar they have. Uh, but yeah. no, I, I uh, recorded with uh, Mr. Ramaswamy uh, earlier this afternoon, and I have Ambassador Haley coming up. And uh, yeah, it's basically, you have to have the right spirit about it, though, because you did this kind of stuff in Iowa a long time oh, yeah. as well. I was a teenager in radio. Boy, that sounds like an autobiography that nobody would buy. I was a teenager in radio and covered my first caucus in 1980. Now, you can do the math. 44 years ago. Wow. Um, and, and the thing, yeah, I know, <laughs> carry the one. 44 years ago. President Garfield but, joining us today. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Just go ahead. No, no, truly, it's the, what do you mean George Bush beat Ronald Reagan? That's uh, the caucus. Yeah, okay. But, but, uh, but you have to have the right spirit to know that yes i'm my my phone is blowing up with different texts from different campaigns all the time but i also know that on january 16th it's not only jeff who but let's purge the phone of any record that we ever knew the schmo and i'm totally fine with that because again the center of the political universe for six months every four years is iowa 
and bye-bye the next morning. They won't even be here that night, no. I presume. No. Because it used to be you'd be in Iowa, you'd celebrate with your supporters, and then the next day you'd go off to New Hampshire. No. You're a ghost, most likely. You're most speaking to the you're speaking to Iowa from New Hampshire. I mean, that's become the new <laughs> thing, or or South Carolina if you if you're going down there already. But you address the Iowa crowd from your next state. That's exactly right. Now, the only reason that might be slightly different this year is it all depends on if the candidates themselves are going to go to certain caucuses. The way the system works, by the way, for those who are unaware. We've got a couple of thousand precincts, and every precinct has a caucus, and that's where they have the straw poll vote. Democrats are meeting as well, obviously, uh, but then they determine who their delegates are to the county convention, and that takes you on up to the national convention. And so you, if you're a, a candidate, you can have someone speak on your behalf before the straw poll is taken, and sometimes there will be candidates who will go to a communal site, like you, you may get a place in Cedar Falls like the Unidome, okay, big football stadium, and they may have 15 precincts all there at different parts in the room. And so it's possible that a candidate will be around to speak to that many people. So you may get a few, but no, the more common, uh, the more common thing is to say, okay, let me try to shake hands with people as they go into the door to a Metro caucus site as I then get on a plane, and later in the evening, once I land in New Hampshire, I find out how it went. Yeah. Um, oh, are and you by the way, I'm going to talk with Ambassador Haley, and no, I'm not going to ask her about the slavery question, and here's why. <laughs> not, remember World, War II, World War II, Nazis bad? You know, are you going to go with that? Well, should we start with that little layup of a question? <laughs> Discuss. Yes. Well, here's why. If I asked her about it, she's already memorized the walk-back statement. Yes. Any politician would. I, I, this is not, I'm not dogging on her. And so what's the point of me asking the question? None. Because she's already said it. She's already recited it. She will memorize it and she will turn it around to it being a gotcha question from no good liberal, liberal media. So I'd rather ask different questions like, okay, let's say it's an Iowa caucus goer. They're trying to make their decision. Separate yourself from DeSantis and Ramaswamy and anybody else. Leave if you want to bring in Trump, fine. But what? Why should they pick you as the non-Trump candidate? Separate based on positions, because the other stuff's already been hashed out. Um, I I'm not going to mention Vivek Ramaswamy. By the way, swab down before you go into with uh, Nikki Haley after that one. But I will say, did you see the story today? DeSantis, a hundred. You get me. You talk to Vivek. My God, man, it's, that guy is out there. Um, Ron he, he sat he sat in this chair that I'm gesturing to on on your Facebook. He sat over there last week and was very polite. The phone was was very dry today when mm -hmm. we did the call. Okay. <laughs> dry. Um uh, DeSantis, 160 million to be where he's at today. A hundred and 60 million. He, this is, I mean, we don't really have the time to get into this, but this is part of the larger problem is there's a lot of money on the Republican side and it's horribly spent. I mean, it, for a party that was so good at money management and controlling narrative for many, many years, right now they're just basically chucking wheelbarrows full of cash at anything and hoping it sticks. I think this is in today's Iowa politics report. I'm not positive, but I think it was today's because uh, I was trying to get a couple ahead for the holiday. Haley is going to wind up spending more in ads than 
DeSantis or Trump. Haley's going to be at 47 million, DeSantis at 43.6, and Trump at 43.1 or something like that. That's in ads, okay, alone. I was asked the other day, well, what the heck with, with DeSantis? And the short answer is he started believing his own publicity and... You know, there's no room in the race to be the next iteration of Trump when Trump is still in the race, right? I mean, there's there's no room there. So for DeSantis to come out and in essence say, I'm I'm Trump, just younger, the people who voted for Trump say, well, I can still have Trump. I'm going there. Well, exactly. In addition to the fact that he's a horrible candidate on the stump and in person. You cannot be the 2.0 version of somebody when that first somebody is already there and you're just, and he's just not going to resonate. I mean, oh. and, and, and I get it. You want the Trump supporters because they're loyal, but the reality is you and I have said this when Trump is no longer running or no longer here, those supporters are just not going to jump to someone else. They just go away. Well, again, we've done this a long time and I coined a phrase Obamacrats because in the mid-year elections when President Obama was in office, he did not have coattail effect because there were a lot of people who came out because of him and the power of personality, etc. Well, they're Trumpicans. These are people who vote for Trump and nobody else. You don't believe that? See no red wave in 22. Jeff Stein joining us for the full hour. We'll take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show. It is the Matt McNeil Show on your year-end edition of it with Jeff Stein for the entire hour talking about the year that was and the year it's going to be. But we actually still have to get rid of the get through the news just of the last week or so. Uh, Jeff, then the the big story uh, that just broke yesterday, Maine. Uh, the Secretary of the State there basically says, no, nope, that's an insurrection. I, I read multiple legal reviews of the 14th Amendment, and one of the things that all of them said is that there is nothing in there that says you have to have a conviction. It's just as if someone it's determined that someone is has can, you know been involved in anti-American behavior, that basically they can be removed from the ballot. And as you have said, the these elections are state, you know, it's not it's not a national election. It's the state run issue. So now you have 50 individual voices making that call. Whereas most of the other states in like California, Michigan, Minnesota, all have kept Trump on the ballot. Colorado knocked him off. That starts the Supreme Court, but now Maine has removed him from the primary ballot. Uh, your thoughts, first of all, on that? I, I think it just pushes the uh, the Supreme Court's hand. They have to make a decision on this pretty quick. I'm not sure it's the Supreme Court that's going to hurry up. I just keep, you know, when when we look at the the ruling that Jack Smith uh, got handed where he said, look, we're going to run into the trial, you know, skip the appeals court, take care of this right now. And they said, no, we got to go through the appeals process. I just wonder if that's precedential mentally. It's not legally precedential. Okay. But I'm just wondering if the, if the Supreme court is saying, you know what, this is no different than anything else. Run it through the normal chain. There has not even been a lawsuit out of Maine yet. Mm -hmm. Obviously the the decision just handed down uh, last evening. But it is uh, it is curious because the Trump people had two bits of strategy. One was to say, well, he hasn't lost yet at any of these states. Look, Minnesota letting him uh, be on the ballot. OK, well, they don't have that now. Well, then you get the well, he's never been convicted. Well, to your point, 
that's not a, a that's not in the Constitution. Mm-hmm. The one thing I would use if I was if I was defending if I was on his team on this, I would say he has been acquitted by the United States Senate. And so not it's not just an open question and he's got pending charges so we better be safe. They should play the acquittal. And you know, they should they should play the acquittal card and say not only has there not been a conviction, he was actually acquitted. Now it's not at all the same. Well, and and I can but, bring up the, the the fault with that is that there was at the time of the impeachment that the what we now know via the the investigative committee and we know from Jack Smith is that there was indeed a tremendous amount of coordination between the Trump campaign and what exactly happened on January 6th with intent to basically indeed throw out a legitimate election. So, and I mean, and like I said, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sorry, Trump tried to overthrow a legitimate election. That's, that's, I mean, it's, it's plain and clear. I cannot criticize whether Colorado or Maine or if another state does it, them pulling him off the ballot. The question then comes down to, as this Supreme Court has talked about states' rights, you know, are are they about to go out there? I mean, what is your thought on that? I mean, when eventually well, it does, that's, that's the whole point, though. Yeah. That's the whole point. This Supreme Court said, with regard to abortion, it's a states' rights issue. That's essentially what they came down saying. Well, then what's this? Well, it's a national election. No, it isn't. If it was a national election, then it would be by popular ballot and not electoral college, with standardized rules, standardized voting procedures, standardized times, but it isn't. So you're either going to have to throw out everything that we know about election law in this country, or you have to let the states handle it each in their own ways. Look at the the, the rules for getting on a ballot. They're different in every state now, especially with regard to a primary you're going to throw all of that into the wind. I, I just don't see it. Is the argument going, I mean, a lot of people have talked about how SCOTUS is pretty much already in the bag for Trump on this one. And I don't know if that's necessarily true, but I, I will. Think it is. <laughs> I really don't think it is. Uh, the, the question I have in regards to that is, could they come back and they say, well, we have determined that this was not an insurrection henceforth. You know, which I don't know if they would want to even get with that with Jack Smith out there. I mean, that's that's predatory predatory on the, on that case. So mm-hmm. I know, but I mean, they could come back, and that could be the ruling. We have determined this is not a, an insurrection. We're only going to apply it to this case, which means that all these states you can't use this as an excuse to take them off the ballot. If you have another excuse, fine, but this is not one to use. So I think they're going to no, they're they're going to they're going to abdicate. Well, it's not abdicating. It's not abdicating your responsibility when you say follow normal procedure, okay? okay? But but that but that's what, in essence, they'd be doing, right? If they say, no, you've got to go through the appeals process, you've got to do it just like every other case, well, okie dokie, because that's saying that they're not going to touch it. Mm. They Because the other thing is, very rarely is the Supreme Court, the court of original jurisdiction on an issue with evidence. Very rarely. And so that's why it has to go up. By the way, as we've been talking, and I know you're going to want to make notes, uh, Tuesday, January 9th, there's a Trump event near where you used to live in Boone, Iowa, uh-huh. featuring Roseanne Barr. <laughs> Jesus. Wow. I, I'm not, I can't make Trump, any of this Trump, Roseanne, up. Boone. Boy, yeah, that's really, uh, you're pushing and all former, my buttons there. And former 
acting Attorney General Matthew Whitaker. Seriously? It's, it's the jumbo toilet guy. <laughs> it's, it's like tinkers to Evers to Chance. It's Trump to Barr to Whitaker right here on oh my phone. Oh, my God. Seriously. You've got to go. You've got to go. I mean, oh, wow. I mean, would they allow me into that town? I don't know. Uh, but that has nothing to do with Trump. I mean, Boone and I have, you know, history. That being said, I... I, I someday, and yeah, you're going to walk this right up to the break so we can't get into it. But you know you're going to someday about Boone. I got assaulted by Phil Graham in Steamboat Rock, Iowa, because I've got to tell you about my platform. And I'm like, gee, will you leave me alone? I'm in the bathroom. You know, it, it's it just, <laughs> okay. I, I got enough of that Texas, in the two times I went through it down there. Texas Senator Phil Graham, when he was running for president, I think it was 2000, I can't even yes, remember. Yes, it was. He assaulted you in a bathroom? Well, he assaulted me with that drawl. I mean, it was, it was, it was very folksy. His, his mere appearance, his mere presence was an affront to you, is what you're saying. No one had the guts to get in front of that guy and say, you sound like you've been inhaling gas for every, every time. There was no such thing as a fast <laughs> sentence with that guy. And yet he thought he had a chance at winning the whole thing. And I was, I mean, and I, I'm dead serious. I read, and like I said, if you ever want to go see something wild, go to Iowa before their, their caucus, because you will, they will shake hands with everyone in that state. I mean, pretty much everyone gets to see a presidential candidate. It's nuts. And, and yeah, Phil Graham, he just kind of landed near Eldora while I was living at that time, working for a radio station out there. And based, it just went, or, well, and Ames, I was down in Ames, but he was up by Eldora, Steamboat Rock and stuff like that. And, and he was, he just didn't want to get out of there. I don't know if he liked the, the food or what, but he just, well, here's, you know. here's even better. The uh, Boone, Iowa event. And I know this is triggering, but the Boone event, yeah. it's at a venue and the address is Mamie Eisenhower Avenue. Oh, really? <laughs> this is the gift that keeps on giving this oh, wow. email right here. Whitaker. God, I forgot about him in his jumbo toilet. Uh, yes. okay, that was, that was okay. W w enough with this. The current updates. We'll talk about the last year, and we'll talk about 2024, the year to come, when we do return. Jeff Stein joining us for the full year in review edition of the Matt McNeil Show. Come on back. Broadcasting on WCPT 820, Chicago's Progressive Talk and AM 950, the Progressive Voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. Jeff Stein joining us for his year in review outlook here. We take a look at what's happened in 2023, what's happening in 2024. Although you and I should go to Chicago, investigate the corrupt politics there, but do it in all the restaurants. For God's sakes, that's got to be some good food down there, man. Well, don't you think that if you really want to get a feel of the Chicago audience, you have to do the deep dish pasta crawl throughout the city well I mean, isn't that just mandatory eastern and isn't it isn't it on the radio stations tab well to, i mean, I mean we, we, yeah okay let's not get too generous there but i i will say you know eastern european delis the mm -hmm. deep dish pizza they're just good hot dogs, man. I mean, good. They, mm -hmm. they, you can't make up, you can't put a bad hot dog out in Chicago. You're just not going to succeed. I mean, there, there are some things that are down there. And plus, I mean, it's Chicago. So any, any, any type of food you want, you're going to find it and you're going to find it in abundance because it's that big of a city and it's going to have that good of variety. So I think you and I need to do an in depth political investigation with seconds. 
<laughs> with seconds, with, with seconds. Family style eating. Exactly. I was going to say, um, you know, this uh, Trump rally in Boone. Yeah. Radio station there uh, just picked up for calendar year 2024, one of my syndicated programs. And so maybe I should do a site visit and we should just do your program from the parking lot of the venue at Mamie Eisenhower Avenue a week from Tuesday. Is, just set up right there in the parking lot. Is the pizza ranch still there in Boone? <laughs> It's actually at a place called MJ's Venue. Oh, is it? Who, who uses the phrase venue in the name of their business? I don't know. Well, apparently MJ. And, and let me apologize right now for all the people in Chicago. Not that MJ. Okay. We'll just, we'll just say it right now. goes full circle. Yeah. This is not our first day. Um, okay. 2023. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been a mess. And it, it's it's not as painful, I mean, as the pandemic years, I don't think, but it has been very hard to watch. Yeah, and I feel, well, I don't. Do I feel sorry for Republicans? I don't know. I mean, they have to stand by this guy because he brings with him a, a substantial voting block, which they cannot win without. The they, They've also been scared to death because of the overturning of Roe v. Wade. And we, you and I have talked about it repeatedly. There's been a undeniable 6 to 12 point swing towards the Democrats in a lot of these races, which have, you know, you know undermined the red tsunami of special elections across the board. It is it, it, it's a kind of a nightmare scenario. So they have to stay in there. But. When you look at the volume of legal problems he's got, and he's not going to escape them all. He's just not. And also the fact that he's gone freaking Nazi in these last few weeks with the, you know the comments about vermin and poisoning the blood and 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 you know it's you know this is this is getting really ugly because as you have very intelligently said, and this is one of the greatest things Jeff Stein ever said, is that your your analysis of how primaries to general elections work is spot on. You sprint to the extremes for the primaries. You sprint back to the, in the middle for the general election. But you and I have noticed in the last 20 years, the Republicans just kind of stay out there on the right and they just hope they get enough you know, traction. And it just does not work. Well, you, in the pendulum, <laughs> because of the increasing number of independents, just keeps swinging. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you go from Obama to Trump? I mean, how do you explain that? Or take it even before that. How do you go from W. Bush to Obama to Trump? If if not for the fact that the independents are just not satisfied with anything in the system, and so they would vote for the same people. I recall eight years ago, Bernie Sanders dead heat against Hillary Clinton in the Iowa caucus, and there were young people who were trying to decide they were telling pollsters they couldn't decide should they vote for bernie or vote for trump and at first you say um that's kind of the opposite hindsight 2020 yeah but at the time what they said was we want somebody from the outside we don't like the system we don't like the traditional and so it was all image of how they perceived the image to be Well, you knew the system was in deep trouble. The two-party system was in deep trouble when the new voters coming in were so disgruntled with the status quo and their job situation and the economy. And it's like, well, it's either Bernie or Trump. Like, how? Well, that shows you how volatile everything is. But to your point, when you were saying about, uh, you know, the Republicans just have to buy into Trump, I don't think there's coattail effect. 
I just don't. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure. In some cases, the ones that echo him the most, yes, but only in really red districts. And mm-hmm. so I think that there is right. some, but it's moderate districts. There's none. And Well, what are you going to do if you're Chip Roy and you've been hiking across Iowa with Ron DeSantis? How are you going to kiss and make up with Trump? You're not. You're not. To, the you best know. you can do is to say, we got to get Joe Biden out of there. But it sounds so disingenuous when you're throwing mud during a primary and then it's kiss or make up time. There was a trial balloon floated last week by some in the Trump world about, well, would Nikki Haley be so bad as vice president? This would be the person he keeps calling bird brain on the campaign trail. Now, granted, you know, everybody forgets things at the convention. But the point is, I don't know how when it gets to be this much scorched earth, how do you all come together and sing Kumbaya? Two two points about what you said. First of all, there's no way they'll take Nikki Haley because he needs to have a vice president who's going to guarantee that he'll they'll pardon him. And that's just that Nikki Haley is not. I mean, I don't she screwed up badly with the Civil War question. But at the same time, I don't think that if there was you know copious amounts of evidence of Trump's wrongdoing, that she would just sign off on a pardon. That being said, I want to go back to the other thing. You talked about independence. Mm-hmm. The independents are not going to go back to Trump. Not this time. We've already seen what Trump has done, and it's a mess. And since 2016, and you were right. I mean, I I was stunned myself with the amount of Democrats who said, uh, you know, there's no difference between Hillary and Trump. And you're like, what? Are you crazy? <laughs> and they they were there. 2018, yeah. 2020, 2022, all of which have broken towards the Democrats. The Joe Biden is there, and we'll get to Biden here in a little bit. But I just I mean. There have, there have been some, and, and polling is all goofy because it just does not reliably get anyone under the age of 35 anymore. And so, you know, when they had the New York Times poll that came on out and said 30% of black voters are going to vote for Trump, I trust me, I took some time immediately and went out there and started talking to people in the in the black community. I was like, is this any true? And they said, no, not even close. And and so it's it, it he got six percent of the female black vote in 2026. So for him to be up at 30. With the complete black community, I mean, that would have to go up to 25. That's not happening. And as as one, as one woman told me, she goes, that's just, there, there is, I, she goes, I don't know one single black woman that was going to vote for Trump. I just do not see Trump going with the independents. And even if there was a chance of it, how do you as an independent go with Johnny Nazi over there? You go with... Okay, you're asking me a direct question about how, if you're an independent, would you vote for Trump? Let's after, say after that, what compare it to comparatively to 2016 because 2016, you're right. There was it was just we didn't know. We well, doubt we do now why. know. Yeah, Here, here's why. Because if it's Trump versus Biden, there may be some independents who voted for Trump in 2016, voted for Biden in 2020, and might just say, "Well, I don't really like the way things are going." I mean, that's the only way, because Trump, of all the Republicans, and he's not really a Republican or a conservative, but that's the banner. He's the one taking a little different ground on the abortion issue. And yes, he appointed justices who voted uh, in the Dobbs case to overturn Roe. But he's the one saying we're going to get killed in elections if we don't take a more moderate position. And so, you know, how can it be? It's the problem with with elections is that it becomes personality-based. Would you rather have Trump or Biden? Snap judgment. Let's go. And that's how people may decide. So I'm not as convinced as you are that independents have sworn off Trump. No. Because, again, 
you're not, and I understand what your comparison, and it's a good comparison, Trump of today versus Trump of 2016. DeSantis and Haley point out that in 2016, Trump talked about you, the voter. Now he talks about himself. And that is true, but it all comes down to this person versus this person and and how the economy is in October of 2024. It's Trump's amazing ability in campaigns is mm-hmm. that he can convince people to vote against their own best judgment. It's and I and I have made this comparison. Joe Biden, you may not like him, but at worst he's an Arby's beef and cheddar. Still technically food, maybe not the meal anyone really wants, but he's still technically food. Trump on a lot of things is an actual crap sandwich. And he has to convince people that there is no difference between those. And he does very well convince people of that, which is disturbing to say the least. Now, that being said, this whole game about, you know, modern abortion, I don't think it's working in Virginia in the last election cycle in 2023. That was the more new, the brand new moderate version of Republican abortion rules. And they got trounced. They were supposed to pick up the state. They didn't. You, 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 you're, I don't, I mean, it's, it's such a toxic issue for Republicans right now. I don't know how they get away with it, but I just do not feel as if the poster child for who who promised. I you know, and and I understand what you're saying. That people will say, well, he was never really conservative. He was always talking about getting Supreme Court justices because he knew part of the Republican Party only voted for that. And so oh, yeah. you're not going to be able to wash that. He's not going to be able to say, well, I'm now for a say a 16 week. You know, uh, you know, it's legal for 16 weeks. He's, you're not going to be able to do that and get away with it because just he, you know, we've already seen that a more moderate policy doesn't necessarily work for the Republicans, well, and he's the poster child for this policy. But, but two things: you're going to have to divorce him from the Republicans, because I can see a scenario, depending on where votes come in, where he is elected president and Democrats take big majorities in both the House and the Senate. And it's a horrible year for Democrats in the Senate with regard to the number of, of uh, senators who are up for re-election. If anybody, based upon the, the history that we know of the last eight to ten years, if there's anybody who can separate himself from the party like that, it's potentially Trump. Because, again, you're talking about Virginia and the moderate policy. Trump wasn't on the ballot. See, again, it's this force of personality that comes through. Mm-hmm. And 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 it, again, that's a neutral statement. I'm not endorsing. I'm just saying he has the distinctive ability to not have things stick in the same way. And he could stand on a stage and espouse a, a position and have a Republican member of Congress on the same stage espouse that same position, and they would hold it against the congressperson and not Trump. Yeah. I, I just think it's that crazy and therefore hard to predict. It's also not, Biden's not playing along with their game plan. Uh, crime is down. I just read some of the stories today. New York Times has it today. Inflation is down dramatically. Uh, you have uh, gas prices are down, are up. The stock market is up and dramatically. Employment, the employment markets have been, have, the reason why I think we're, we got out of this inflation with the Fed as well, with the interest rate hikes, is because of the strong in, employment market. Going mm-hmm. into an election year, these are really good banners for him, especially the stock market. That a lot of people like it when the stock market goes up. So that's 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 going to help Biden there, particularly. That being said, it's 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 you're going to have to convince a lot of people if those trends continue. You're going to have to continue, you know, basically say it's not good enough 
And I just don't know if that's an argument Trump and Republicans can pull off that even though the stock market is up, it would be up more with Trump, even though there's better market hiring market right now than there was before. It'd be better with Trump. I just that's that's a fantastical argument that's very difficult to make. Here's the problem with the inflation thing. We were at a point where we were at nine percent inflation. Now it is close to three, two point seven. Right. Yep. What that means is prices are still going up. By three percent, but that's cost of living, is, and that's cost of living though. That's that was it. Two point is okay. a two point six percent is the annual cost of living increase. Anyway, sure. so it's it's basically well, in line with the cost of living. But here's the point: when Trump left office, inflation was one point seven. It got to nine under Biden, and a lot of things went up more than the cost of living. The thing is, they haven't come down from that point. So yes, you're now at a point of normal cost of living. But my tab at the grocery store, my tab at the big store, uh, the Walmarts or wherever, uh, I don't have a Target near me, sorry, we have a Walmart, I'm paying a ton more than I did four years ago. That's the thing that all the government numbers are going to say, look, we're right on pace, but they haven't gone down because you can't do deflation or you're going to absolutely wreck the economy. we got to take a break here, but I will say this, the fact that you have to explain it like that that's not that's a tough that's a tough stance to take and plus the fact that four years ago most grocery shelves were empty at that point we'll take a break come back more with jeff right after this It is the Matt McNeil Show once again live here with our year-end show. Jeff Stein, kind enough to join us for the full hour and talk about things. Jeff, um, okay, so we talk about Trump, we talk about Biden. Let's talk about particularly the Republicans because it's been interesting. On the Democratic side, you've got uh, you know uh, Dean Phillips who has tried to run against Biden and it's not gone well. And the reason why, and I, I'll put it bluntly, is because to win the Democratic nomination, you have to have union labor on your side and they are fully ensconced in the Biden camp and it's just not going to happen. So I don't think you're going to see too much in the way, plus that Biden has delivered on that infrastructure bill um, you know, and, and other things that you know, definitely they have the ability to run on. For the Republicans, it comes down to if it starts looking like Trump might get beat and beat badly again, at what point do you think the Republican Party says, hey, we want to try to hold the Senate, we want to try to hold the House, or pick up the Senate, hold the House, Um, at what point do you think that maybe you start seeing that separation? Is it going to be, what, April, May, June? What's your thoughts? The problem is the congressional Republicans can't agree on any strategy no. for anything. And so to suggest that they would all of a sudden get together before the convention and run away from the nominee of the party. Oh, boy. I just. Uh, but the House is a loss. I mean, you bring up a very good point. Is there any way in the world the Republicans hold the U.S. House? I mean, they look so damn incompetent. Well, here's the thing. You have to look at retirements and see how many open seats there are and see how the polling is in those i mean if you if you assume everybody running for re-election wins status quo right yep. that won't happen but let's just assume that you've had this high number of people leaving all right are those districts prone to lean red or blue i think you're going to have even if it flips it's not going to be you know this huge it's going to be like a, a pelosi six vote majority 
But there's a heck of a difference between how a speaker with a six-vote majority handled it last year as opposed to this year. And I'm not talking about policy. I'm just talking about keeping your caucus together and delivering the votes mm-hmm. that you need. Um, you know, it, again, I, this, this is so volatile. I don't see how the Republicans hold the House. You're right about that. I could sure see the Republicans pick up the Senate, uh, but it could also just as easily be Republican in the White House, solid majorities for Democrats in Congress, and Katie bar the door. Well, and also should mention, New York has to redraw their maps. Those maps definitely benefited the Republicans. If they get redrawn at all, I think that, and of course, there's George Santos's seat. I don't think the Republicans have any chance of holding that again. Uh, you know, and that's what we're talking about. We we can three, four seats. That's all we need to find uh, for the for the Democrats to be able to pick up. And this goes back to the Democrats' house. I just, and especially- well, keep in mind one thing. We are coming back after the first of the year, and we're staring at a government shutdown in two weeks. Yeah. Well, and- And, and you've got two fewer Republicans. It's a, you know, I mean, I, granted, because uh, Santos and uh, McCarthy are out- you know, you don't have 435 now as your denominator, but they're still going to need 217 to pass anything. They have the margin of two votes. <laughs> well, and also, it's not going to help them that vote to impeach, uh, to open the impeachment inquiry into Biden, because once again, even Fox News was like, what evidence do you have to start this? And their answer is, well, it's just a fishing expedition. And well, that's, that's not going to resonate with moderate voters. I think that the American people have figured out, just like in 2016 and 2020, they sort of know who Trump is, and they didn't care. You know, I mean, all of the atrocities with women, all the rest of it, at that moment, they didn't care. I think most Americans would be very willing to believe everything they hear about Joe and Jim and Hunter and the whole family. It comes down to what have you done for me? So when you're a Republican in the U.S. House running for re-election, and you tick off your list of victories. Here's what we did for you, the American people. If the best you can do is we opened an impeachment inquiry against potentially a lame duck president. If that's the best you've got. Oh, and got rid of Roe v. Wade. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's is not exactly a, a stellar banner. I do not see, by the way, DeWine vetoed the uh, the transitioning <laughs> yeah, he bill. He vetoed that today. I do not see the LGB, anti-LGBTQIA plus community stuff resonating with, with general independent voters. And, it, and I think that's DeWine basically saying, this is, this is the dead horse we are not going to be whipping anymore. Well, and the way he got flamed by those on the far right shows you what a touch point it is. And when the far right or far left immediately dives in on any issue, and I've said this for years, that's when I get very suspicious that there's something else going on. And they all piled in on DeWine, who yesterday was wonderful. And now, you know, they they uh, they wouldn't want to walk on the same side of the street as uh, the Senate. Uh, you did bring up a point is that it, it's a tough pickup for 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 the or deaf hold for the Democrats. Um, mm-hmm. Your thoughts. Do you feel as if. I mean, I, I think if if things really start going badly for Trump here, I think the Democrats are looking might be able to hold Montana and all these, some of these other states. If that's the case, then yeah, I think the Democrats do hold the Senate. Every state, okay, back to state elections. Yes, right. Are you voting for somebody in? People are so darn independent, and I kind of like that about them. But 
You could vote for Biden and not vote for the Democrat in the House or the Senate. I could sure see that happening. And in Arizona, what if Cinema wins as an independent? Is she going to caucus with the Democrats? Or if she's the tiebreaker to come to the Republican side, does she flip so that she has power? Craziness. I, you know, I, I, I don't see her winning down there. I just don't. I'm just saying, I, what if? What if? I, I mean, you're, hey, we have to play this whole thing out, but I think that who, whatever resonance she did have, it, especially with moderate Democrats, it's gone. And I, I think that that's, that's coming back to Hunter. I, I will, it will be interesting to watch the Senate because, I mean, if anything, of all the shows we're going to have in 2024, that's the one that's going to have the most interest, I think. Well, absolutely, because again, you have to keep in mind, if it's a split chamber, the vice president breaks the tie. Mm -hmm. Record-setting number of ties broken by the current vice president. That's another reason why who's in the White House is so important, because you've got the, the double whammy of the Senate tiebreaker involved. And reminder about Biden. He basically strong-armed the Republicans in the Senate saying, do not stop my judicial nominees, and he hasn't. And he's been able to put a lot of you know Democratic judges on, on benches across the country. So, Jeff, as always, fantastic stuff. Happy New Year, my friend. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you in 2024. Be well, sir. Take care. Uh, hour two. That's coming up next. Hour number two of the show on your Friday. Good to be with you today. Matt and Patrick. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Patrick, how has been your holiday week? This is our first and one time in before. Okay, just FYI. So we're here today. We're off on New Year's Day, New, the the January second. We're back with live shows on the third. How has your week been so far? Uh, it's been pretty quiet around here. Uh, no, my Christmas wasn't all that exciting. I just kind of mm. uh, hung out at the pa- uh, not this palace, but my own personal palace. Uh. Um, you know, not not a super exciting time. How was wow. yours? Well, I mean, hope you, you got some relaxing time though. You got some downtime. Oh yeah, for sure. Beautiful. I, I've been running around like crazy with the kids. We did we did Can Can Wonderland one day. I got to post those pictures. Uh, went hiking um, uh, over at the, just today. I was down at the Stone Arch Bridge because you know they're going to shut down the Stone Arch Bridge for a while there with the cons- re- re- you know, fixing it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So we decided to go down there and get a nice walk on that, and which which was quite lovely. Um, we we went over to the Museum of Russian Art, which by the way, pro Ukraine, nicely done. Um, and, um, yeah, that was pretty exceptional over there. Um, of course, lots of fun with the family and, uh, uh, going out and, you know, doing things, uh, you know, in, in various locations uh, around doing hikes and stuff over the holiday. And yeah, we've just had a really good time. Um, yesterday, um, went to the, uh, Simpson, uh, shelter, family shelter, and, uh, we, uh, served lunch over there for uh, part of the needy people out there. Uh, a heartbreaking story from Carol Levin yesterday. There, there is a dramatic need for food right now. And, and, and if you can help out, please do help out. Uh, this is one of those things. This is a core thing for me, making sure people have food to eat. I've always said this when, when Republicans are, are of the mindset that they would rather have a hundred people starve. If one person in that group of hundred is getting a crumb of food that they don't deserve, I'm of the mentality of just feed the people. We'll figure out the problem after the fact. I just give them a sandwich. What's what's the big deal? So, uh, you know, if you can help out, uh, at Simpson Family Shelter is a fantastic organization doing a lot of good. 
And uh, it was nice to be able to see them out there. I'll post some pictures of that um, uh, from, from working out there. That was, you know, it's keeping things in perspective um, on that. So I, I hope you've had a good holiday. Hope everything's been going well. Uh, a reminder that the AM 950 calendars are still available. Uh, if These are thank you gifts for sponsoring AM 950 Radio. Go to am950radio.com. Look at the sponsorship page. You can find yourself... Uh, a uh, you know a chance to become a sponsor of AM 950. You can get the calendar as a thank you, as well as the tote bag and plus uh, others as well. You could just check out each of the sp- sponsorship levels. Uh, like I said, it's a beautiful calendar. I'm very proud of it. Once again, it is available. A lot of people have gotten them. A lot of people have. And I've actually had one or two people ask if I can sign them. I think I can. We'll have to figure out a way I can do that for you. Uh, I'd be happy to, uh, if, I, if at all possible. So uh, am950radio.com. Go check that out, and uh, thank you very much for sporting AM950. Okay, so Broadcorp's going to come in here. we gotta got to, you know, swaddle him with Viking stuff because it wasn't a good week last week uh, before we take on the Packers coming up this Sunday. Is it Saturday or Sunday for the Vi- Vikings game? Is it Sunday? Yeah, it'll be Sunday night. Sunday night. Oh, is it the Sunday night game? Yeah, just a heads up. If you have DirecTV, you might have to find an alternate means to watch the game because Channel 11 is uh, in a dispute with, well, not Channel 11 itself, but the company <laughs> it, that owns it. So just a heads up there. Ha, ha, you still think people watch the old TV. Uh, <laughs> It's it's it's. Uh, I, I still think. Oh, don't don't people still have phones attached to their walls? I know. <laughs> uh, it's gonna fun that way. Uh, so we'll 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 give Michael Broadcorp a nice a hug and just once again, you got to put it in perspective. That if what happened to this team happened to this team, you the fact that you were thinking to yourself, you still actually have a chance at the playoffs. You'd still feel pretty good about yourself. Now that being said. This show, generally, I like to go through what I consider to be the top stories of the year. I'm going to do that. Now, I'm going to actually say one story, which undeniably would be definitely probably top five if it was only a statewide story. Climate change. My God, I'm having allergies. I'm dead serious. I've had allergies since Christmas Day because of this insanely hot weather. And I mean that all that rain we got something triggered because it's it's allergies. I mean it's it's like I'm in spring. Just nuts, just absolutely nuts. Don't tell me we haven't broken the planet. Uh, but climate change is not a Minnesota issue, although it's going to definitely and undoubtedly hurt a lot of Minnesota businesses and a lot of Minnesota people. I mean, it's open water on all the lakes. It's it's almost January one. We have open water on pretty much every major metro lake. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yet here we are. This is where we're at. Anyway, uh, I would probably include this in the top five on most years, uh, but it is a worldwide problem. And unless we start dealing with this, it's not just a Minnesota problem. It's a worldwide problem. And frankly, the people in Minnesota seem to be doing the best to try to address it. They're They're at least putting some things forward, although Republicans scream about things. So that aside, Number 10 story of the year, the state flag. Not because, just because it wasn't the most relevant story and it necessarily didn't impact everyone's life, but it ended up being a story we could kind of dive into. And whether it was the insane amount of entries that were just wild and bizarre to the discussion over the finalists, to the winners, 
which ended up being as I have yet to see a person who's an expert in flags not give Minnesota an A plus for their flag. It has been remarkable. Once again, this wasn't a bunch of liberals jamming this down our throats. No, you had Republicans on that <coughs> committee, too. You had tons of Republicans. I mean, Dreskowski, Draz was on that committee. You've actually had, um, you know, is it Jeremy Munson? You know, not exactly Johnny Liberal. He's come on out and said, come on, this is, you know, this is updated. This looks good. Get over it. But it hasn't stopped some people in Minnesota. As a matter of fact, one bit of breaking news in the year-end edition. Minnesota's newly redesigned state flag will set up to debut in Statehood Day in May, but the Crow Wing County Board plans to take their concerns about it to the governor and state lawmakers in the new year. Commissioner Paul Coring, K-O-E-R-I-N-G, raised his this concern to the county board last Tuesday's meeting, saying that he's received a number of calls and messages from his constituents who are not happy with the new design. Fellow Commissioner Steve Barrows also echoed the same message. Our current state flag and seal features a controversial image of Native Americans that has drawn criticism for decades. Coring says he believes the image shows white and Native Americans living in harmony. Oh, isn't that so white of him to basically tell, hey, Native Americans, you don't have anything to worry about. He also likened it to the Confederate statues torn down across the country in 2017. Dude, if you don't understand the history of the Confederate statues, many of which were put up in the 1910s by racists that wanted to remind the black population that racism was still the key to this country, it meant to intimidate and scare the black population, you might want to shut up. I think we're we're doomed to repeat our failures if we whitewash our history, and this is just an example of it there, changing the Minnesota flag. Because, yeah, that's why we fly this, the, the U.S. flag with uh, with 27 stars on it, because how will we remember that time and day and age when we only had 27 stars on the flag? How? Oh, that's right. We don't do that, do we? We actually retire flags when they're old, antiquated, racist. And frankly, that flag wasn't just, it wasn't that good of a flag. We got a much better flag now. The county board will vote on Tuesday to send a letter to Governor Walls and state lawmakers to express their displeasure on the flag design. The letter has served more as a symbolic resolution. By the way, can I just bring up something? Is Coring the same guy? Is this the, is this the same guy who, what, was it in 2010? Uh, his primary campaign, he was a senator at that point for re-election in Senate District 12, was you know rocked when he had... Uh, he had reports that Ivan's on the bay with a gay porn star, Brandon Wild. <laughs> Wild was described in the story as the star of My Brother's Hot Friend and Cruiser Boys. The story, I remember reading this, by the way, back in the old six o'clock show back in, in 2010. I remember reading this. The story said Wild divides his time between Brainerd and West Hollywood, California. And that one time the actor offered escort services on rentboy.com. I'm not sure if that's it, it. Very easily could be a different Paul Coring. That was that it could be very. I mean, it's not exactly the most uncommon name. I don't think it's. It could be a very different person. But I saw the name. I said, "Wait a second. Why do I remember that name? Oh, now I remember that name. So I'm not sure if it's the same guy, but okay. Uh, so that's the number ten story. The number nine story. The insanely tragic car accident 27 year old Derek john thompson of brooklyn park um the son of former state representative john thompson 
Killed five young women as they just left the Carmel Mall after having henna applied for a friend's wedding. Killed when a speeding driver, Thompson, ran a red light, struck their car in Lake Street. Just a horrible, horrible story. A tragic loss, a loss of life. And one of the few times this year where I saw true remorse across the board. It didn't, this wasn't a, this was, everyone was upset and sad about this. This was just unforgivable. So that was the number nine story. Number eight story um, was the story we covered extensively and and kind of goes back to the, uh, yeah, one of the things that we talked about, it was in Chaska. This was the Chaska store um, uh, that was down there uh, that went went to um, that that basically they got into trouble because they had drag queen story time, and the they went the woman went into Little Ruse on TikTok and started screaming angrily at the fran- the staff confronting the staff about how drag queen story hour was horrible and wrong. There were threats of massive protest, but in the end, what happened? And once again, this is Chaska. This is not exactly the most liberal suburb we've got here. There was a massive turnout of support for Little Ruse and, um, and, and, and the Drag Queen Story Hour, a very small turnout for the, the side that was uh, upset. We, we'd actually had Marissa held Nordling on the air with us to talk about this. Um, there was about 55 people there, but there are hundreds of people in support of Little Ruse. And it just it was a reminder that this whole thing that the Republicans have put out there about this anti-LGBTQ, this is only a fever dream within their own little minds. And by the way, as they are so obsessed, so obsessed with, you know, basically drag queen story hour and transgender people and the supposed threat they insist is is for kids with those two groups of people, go just go search, um, you, you know, child sex assaults in rural Minnesota. And there comes a point where I've said this is the fact that they're only concerned about these crimes when it involves the villains they want to have in their story, that they're ignoring the actual crimes that are going on around them that they probably easily could find. I don't know that. So that was, that's, that story was number eight. Number seven. uh, This was the ongoing story of Jaleel Stallings. Um, even though Justin Stetson was charged at the end of last year, his case resolved this year that he basically struck a, struck a deal and apologized for his actions. This reminds you, was the police unannounced opening fire to try to murder somebody when that person defended their life and shot back. They basically then announced they were police and then beat him senseless in the streets. And then not only that, we then find out of all the body cam footage that was released that night, the fact that the Minneapolis Police Department went on a hunting expedition against the citizens of Minneapolis. And on top of that, Freeman's uh, uh, prosecutorial office was trying his hardest to basically still put Jaleel Stallings into jail, even though he had done nothing wrong. It was such a horrific example of the corruption of the system. And we can basically put this on there as well. Not only Jaleel Stallings, but uh, we, we, you know, it's it's you know, well. I'll tell you what. Let's go to number six, which was the killing of Ricky Cobb by the Minnesota State Troopers, which once again, um, this still has not, uh, to my knowledge, has not been a decision whether they're going to charge the troopers. I don't think they will. 
But once again, a case where guns were drawn, fire, gun, shots were fired, and, and once again, shots fired at another officer. But yet, you know, as, as they killed Ricky Cobb, you know, a, the same police officers who just killed him basically, stay with us, buddy. Come on. Once again, it's the mentality when police pull black people over is that they 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 have to pull the gun, they have to they have to be ready to shoot, and this doesn't happen. It didn't. It did also wasn't it an outstate Minnesota a few weeks after this case. There was a similar case with a white guy in a pickup truck who was basically told to stop when the officer tried to open the door. He drove off, and funny story, no one shot him. So, but we put that in conjunction with the. The, the failures of, 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 of law enforcement in regards to the two acquitted people that spent years in jail. You know, it's, it's just more of the same on that. Uh, number five, uh, the uh, Murray County Sheriff. He was charged with allegedly helping to drive, trying to help a friend avoid a drunk driving charge. Steve Telkamp is, the, is a chronically absent county sheriff. Who had a history of uh, alleged hostile and retaliatory conduct? Telcamp never suffered any consequences, illustrating the power of elected sheriffs to govern with virtual impunity. <laughs> yeah, he tried to get his buddy off. Uh, in, in, you know, it, it, the, it, the implication, not saying he did, but the implication was there was tampered with evidence and stuff. Number four is something which, once again, as everyone on the right wants to focus only on Minneapolis St. Paul. And crime that they insist is so much more worse than it really is. We should mention that five officers were shot in Benton County early this year. 14, the count of law enforcement officers shot in the last year in rural areas of Minnesota and western Wisconsin. 12 in basically the last six months. Four of them were killed. You guys keep trying to focus on how dangerous things are. And let me just put it this way. It's, I have zero doubt in my mind. That be, the police, because they buy this Republican narrative that nothing bad ever happens in a small town while pulling guns and looking at black people in the city of Minneapolis, well, guess what? The, the cops are getting shot and killed in outstate Minnesota. And that is an undeniable problem. Try that in a small town. They are in there and, and, and with tragic consequences. Number three was the number, and, and by the way, crime has been going down all year long in Minneapolis. It has basically gone down dramatically in the last year, and it's it just is, once again, the entire narrative of the Republicans is that crime is horrible in Minneapolis, and it's getting a lot better, you know, it, down dramatically, down dramatically, Um in with homicides and and attacks, gun crimes, it's across the board. Um, it it is nice to see this because once again, the entire Republican narrative is regardless of what the truth is that this is the truth they want. All right, so there's you know number three through number ten. I'll do the top two because I guarantee you, you probably don't know which one I'm going with number one. I'll tell you about number two and number one when I do return. Michael Broadcorp coming up in just a moment. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. 
So running through what I think are the top 10 stories of Minnesota of the year, number two was the insane success of the DFL in, in the, their, their trifecta. Well, I mean, last year we they won the trifecta. I had no idea that they were going to be this productive, and we became the bellwether for the country of what can happen when Democrats work together on a common agenda. And my God, did we get a lot of stuff done in this state. I'll repost the story from June where I, re, I just recapped all the things that got done, and it goes on and on and on and on. I mean, it just... It's unbelievable. It, 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 was, it was truly inspiring and truly wonderful, and I can't tell you how happy I was to see that. Now, that doesn't being said, there was, you know, the, the Mayo Clinic basically flexed their muscle and basically stopped their, um, stopped basically seeing the, um, um, you know, uh, you know, so, you know, some control, you know, some oversight by the nurses. They did not want that. That got kiboshed. And it should be also noted that the Mayo Clinic is, you know, square one where, you know, anti-union people are trying to de-unionize the union down there, which once again, benefiting on the fact the rest of the state is pro-union. And yeah, that's, that's something that needs to be addressed because that's, there's some really horrible people that are behind that. But as well, also it did expose, because one of the things that has happened is, it has infuriated Republicans to no end that the Democrats passed the free breakfast and lunch. And time and time again, ever since this happened, they have come back and they've tried to find some way that they can argue that this needs to be rescinded. This was overreach. Why are we doing this? And it's stunning to see how they kind of run up against this wall of, well, we don't care. Just do it. Feed the kids. And, you know, it, it, the idea of equality and and everyone getting the same opportunity so infuriates the Republicans that the, you know they're going to try to find some way. Trust me, in Republican circles, they will try everything in their power to basically rescind this. And by the way, Democrats, DFL, you should make this a definitive issue in the House. Will you try to undo the the free lunch for all kids in the state of Minnesota? Free free breakfast or your lunch? Because I think that's the case. So if that's number two, the number one uh, story has to be what was the Department of Justice report on the Minneapolis Police Department. And I know there are some people that would say, really, do you think that was more important than what the DFL was able to get done in their first year of their uh, trifecta? Did you read that report? That report was disturbing beyond disturbing. Clearly a pattern of unacceptable behavior that it's hard to even comprehend a police department would ha- would be be doing this to its the citizens they are there to <clears throat> Protect and serve across the board. So many cases of misdoing. I mean, it clearly was a problem that was an institutional problem within the Minneapolis Police Department. As a matter of fact, I think part of the reason why you're seeing some police today 
um, you know, out there vilifying any change that's happening is because they realize the gig's up. That the the days of the obscenely racist, the obscenely oppressive, the obscenely you know abusive police department is coming to an end. <clears throat> and I'm not saying it's going to be quick. I'm not saying it's going to be something that's going to be um, able to go away fast. But th- this is it's clearly a group of people that were so so drunk on their power. And as this new police department rises, and once again, I've got some problems occasionally with Brian, and I I don't know if he's necessarily, you know, the best, but he's definitely an improvement over what's been there. And Bob Kroll being gone is indeed an improvement. And, you know, all you have to do is go back, go read the Rolling Stone article about what his police department was like. And it's clear what it's clear to anyone that has a brain what was going on in there. A racist Christmas tree. A racist Christmas tree. And you guys out there on the right like to insist about the war on Christmas. Is there any more direct war on Christmas than a racist Christmas tree? Dear Lord. We see exactly who you guys were and the system that you had created to insulate yourselves from any accountability. My God, I mentioned Jaleel Stallings earlier. When you look at how you get to a point where what happened with Jaleel Stallings happens, where every cop on the scene was perfectly okay with officers beating the living daylights out of Stallings and the other guy in the street, that no one said, maybe we should announce who we are before we start opening fire. No one did that. The prosecutors went on out there and not a single prosecutor said, wait a second, the body cam footage doesn't match this. And they still were trying to get Stallings to take a plea deal. No, this was the year we'd all known, especially since George Floyd, what was under the surface there. This was the Department of Justice saying, You haven't seen anything yet. That was the most corrupt, broken, disgusting police department in the country. And we still have yet to fix it. It's starting to get fixed, but we have a long way to go. I'll repost the story as well with numerous excerpts from the DOJ report, which if you do read that, yeah, that was pretty bad. I'll repost that a little bit later on as well. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. With us heading into the weekend and the Packers game at the uh, the, the 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 Vikings place, we'll talk to Broadcorp, see if he's doing okay after the Lions lost last week, and get his update on, on what he thinks is going to happen. It is the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. Winter is here. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. Yeah, it didn't go too well for the Vikings last week with the Detroit Lions in town. Uh, They will take on the Green Bay Packers coming up here 
on Sunday. It's the Sunday night game, which really is kind of interesting. They're making that a Sunday night game, but we'll get to that in a second. Uh, Michael Broadcorp is kind enough to join us. He has been talking Vikings with us. He's also, of course, uh, our expert on, uh, on on politics here, and particularly from the Republican point of view. He's kind enough to join us today to talk about last week and uh, the look ahead here towards the Packers week and then the, the last game of the year at the Lions. Hi, Michael. How are you, sir? It's great to be here. It's good to have you here. Are you feeling better after? I mean, that was, I think that was just a hard reality is that without a top-notch quarterback, and this is not just our team, you can see it across the board in this league, the, the Raiders, the Bengals, you know, you, you lose a your top starting quarterback, it becomes a very difficult thing to do anything. And and the Vikings just, they ran into a good Detroit Lions team and they they did not come out on top. They did not. And it really shows to you the, the significance of the quarterback position and what it has. There's a, you know, my, my, my old man, God rest his soul, used to tell me that defense wins football games. I think, we've, I think if he were alive, he'd be saying to me right now, boy, I was wrong because... You need to have an offensive component. And while the defense has performed very well this year, uh, the Vikings have just not had a good, strong offensive position in that court, consistency with that quarterback spot since the loss, loss of Kirk Cousins. And these last few games have really shown it. Okay, so Mullins throws for 411. But let's talk about the thing that what is being disguised by the fact that Cousins went down. And that is our rushing game is abysmal. In that game, Correct. in that game, we had a total of 17 total rushing yards. 17. You will not win any damn game. The fact that they were they're only down by 6 is remarkable. How in the world, I mean, they they I understand they they made some some uh, you know, Cook, they got Cook went to the the Jets. They felt as if it was bad, but I'm sorry. I just I, how how do you make that decision to get rid of at least a guy that can you know he was able to get yards. I mean, right now they got no one who Correct. can run. Correct. In, in a previous episode, Matt, you asked me about Dalvin Cook, and I think you also asked me about Adam Thielen. If Adam Thielen's there or Dalvin Cook is there, I think the question was probably more to Dalvin Cook. I would say to you that it's you know there was a lot of concern this season about losing both Thielen and Cook, and I think we're we're certainly paying for the Cook decision. Uh, Dalvin Cook not being there, those were some consistent yards, and that was a real missed opportunity. I think that this season is going to be a season that is going to be looked upon and analyzed quite a bit uh, uh, into the terms of the leadership decisions that the GM has made and some of the coaching decisions and getting rid of Dalvin Cook. I'm not saying that he's the savior, but he certainly had some consistent yards and was putting up some numbers, and he, his loss, I think, has been felt greatly on this Vikings team because there has not been a solid replacement for him. Well, and and I understand there are contract issues that get involved here, but at the same time, you 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 you've had you had nothing there. I mean, I hate being so blunt about it, but there's nothing there. There is no running game with any kind of consistency. And, you know, the best running we've had was from when Dobbs was playing quarterback, for God's sakes. And and so, you know, it's it's kind of one of those That's situations. Great point. Yeah, it's it's it really is a an it was great that Cousins was able to get around that because he was so lethal and it did because he was so good at throwing it opened up the running game a little bit. But you know, right now they're just basically putting everyone on the line and making these backup quarterbacks try to beat them, and they just can't do it. Correct. And, and pivoting, it's your show, but if I may pivot a bit to the Please. quarterback position, uh, a little, a little illustrating developments. 
Uh, Justin Jefferson, of course, came out uh, and made the case that, that he hopes that Cousins, that Cousins will return uh, next season. And it's something that we've talked about. Uh, uh, Justin Jefferson said, quote, me and, me and Kirk have a great connection. And that's something that you've discussed and we've discussed in previous episodes is once Cousins went down and we brought, you know, what was the possibility of him coming back? And, and I seriously, sincerely think, I, I thought it was, you know, we had kind of speculated, but I'm a little bit more confident than I think I have been that there's a real chance that he can come back. I do have a follow-up question, but I want to hear your answer to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I w- here, you and I can just discuss this really quick. My gut feeling, you bring Cousins back. You, okay, so you, let's let's bring them both the quarterback and the, the rushing game. You find a rusher yep. on the free market. Uh, get a free agent rusher, bring them on in, and do that. Your first pick in the draft is your new quarterback. You sign Cousins. You say, Kirk, this is your team. If you come back, you're still going to be the quarterback. But we're going to bring in this quarterback with the idea that you're getting older. You've got now got an Achilles injury. We do not want to be caught off guard again. We're bringing in a quarterback that's going to be you're, you're the heir apparent, but it's still your team until you don't want it. You're going to get Cousins at a discounted rate because of the injury. Jefferson stays happy. He's still your best weapon. You can't get rid of Justin Jefferson. That would be my approach to to this offseason. Sign Cousins. Draft your first draft pick. He's the quarterback that's going to replace Cousins eventually with Cousins giving the tutelage that he needs to become the, a star quarterback and then finding a running back on the free market. Correct. Let me ask you this question because this has been bubbling up a little bit today. Russell Wilson. No. Talk of, uh, Sports <laughs> Illustrated. There's a Sports Illustrated story today talking about that Vikings a betting favorite to land Russell Wilson. Um, your take? <laughs> no. Oh God, no, man. I mean, it, okay, nothing. Russell Wilson has some talent and ability. But if you're telling me my choices are Russell Wilson or a, a a healed Kirk Cousins, this is not a discussion, is it? Yeah, I, I would take Russell Wilson. I mean, I would take. I'm sorry, I would take Cousins. Would take Cousins. Wow, that was breaking yeah. news. No, sorry. okay, you take Cousins. No. Yeah, I would take Cousins. You feel the same? Oh yeah, 100. percent 100 percent because because I mean, okay, so Russell Wilson as he is right now, because this is where he's at. Kirk Cousins coming back healed. Is there any way in the world you would? Is there any team on the planet that would take Russell Wilson over Kirk Cousins at that point? I don't think anyone would take that. That 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 make that decision. I'm not a doctor, and by all accounts, uh, Cousins' uh, uh, injury has been healing appropriately, and he's going to be coming back in good strength. I don't know what the medical decisions are that NFL teams have to make. Assuming that he can come back in a similar uh, position as he was. You got to lock him down. You got to lock Cousins down. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of doctors involved, and and uh, of course, at this time of year, with the, the chances of the Vikings, there's the questions whether we're going to make the playoffs. This little side drama about Russell Wilson came up today, and I thought it was worth worth mentioning. I noticed that. Do you notice that the Vikings become a name that gets bandied about by national sports people? that basically don't want to bring up stuff that to discuss legitimately, but they bring up stuff to just create fires all over the place. Have you noticed that? Correct. Uh, Matt, I tell you, I'm not, I don't believe in a ton of conspiracy theories, but I could, I could speak on your podcast. I could speak on your radio show for three hours about my frustrations with how national media outlets treat Minnesota sports teams uh-huh. uh, with great fervor and passion. Um, and it's pretty consistent, but yeah, I, we, I see that a lot. I think the Vikings, 
get disrespected a lot in comparison. You know, look at last year. Uh, you know, last year was a perfect, a perfect example where they won a lot of close games. And what the, the, the narrative from a lot of the national broadcasters and analysts and commentators on the Vikings team was that, look, this was a poor team that was just one when it went away um, from, you know, screwing things up. And what you see in a lot of other situations is uh, when they talk about other teams in that particular situation, they put much more of, of drama and emphasis, in, and they talk about it in a much more uplifting way. The Vikings is just, in a number of ways, I think, they get treated in a, they get disrespected a lot uh, at, at the national level by some of the media, but we'll see, you know, we'll see what happens. But I do think Cousins is the way to go, and boy, um, that would be, I think that would put the Vikings in a good position, but they still have to figure out their running game. Well, they and still have to figure out their running game. Go back to the quarterback. So Mullins is going to get benched. He threw the four INTs. Um, you know, it's and like I said, you got 411 yards, but you give up four INTs. You have no running a game. That's why you lost that game. Those two things right there. Uh, they're going to give it to Hall, and and I think it, you know, in the speculation off what I said is that you need to find Cousins' heir apparent, a legitimate quarterback that's not just a stopgap measure, not freaking Russell Wilson. You know, so, you know something something that's got you know longevity. So I think that these next two weeks are the tryout for Hall. If Hall shows some ability and that, that he might be able to eventually become a you know a, a legitimate caliber NFL quarterback, then you don't have to worry about that. You can have Cousins come back and give give Hall the tutelage right. for the next few years. So is that what your thought is? Is too is that these next yeah. two games are going to be Hall just because they're going to say show us what you got? Correct. Show us what you got. Those are the opportunities. And by all accounts, he's I think he's earned it. I think we've gone through the cycle of the other quarterbacks. I think that, you know, what he showed in his, you know, brief appearance in, I think it was the Atlanta game where he played a little bit, uh, he showed some mobility. And I think that that's, you know, what the Vikings kind of need right now in that position, a little bit of confidence. I do think with two games left and with the possibility of the Vikings making the playoffs if they win out, I think there needs to be some consistency in that position. Yeah. Uh, I think there needs to be some consistency in that position. Again, uh, as of right now, the Vikings, let's see here, according to the calculator, uh, right now the Vikings' chances of making the playoffs, as of today, are 27%. If the Vikings beat the Packers uh, on Sunday, it jumps up to 47%. If they beat the Lions, uh, they are all but, uh, if they beat the Lions, uh, they're all but assured roughly 95% chance. So, my, as I understand it today, Vikings, to get the playoffs, they have to win out, and there needs to be, I think, a combination of losses, at least from the Rams, and I think Seattle yeah. are what we need right now to make the playoffs. And so um, that's what we have on Sunday. We have a big Vikings-Packers game. Uh, it should be mentioned, yeah. Okay, and I'm talking about the National League just really quick here. San Francisco, Philadelphia, Detroit are all 11-4. and four. Uh, the four seed's going to be Tampa Bay at 8-7 and seven because they're just, they won the division, and that division is horrible. Dallas will be the five seed, and then it comes down to yeah, the Rams and the Seahawks are both eight and seven. The Vikings are seven and eight. If they want to have, do anything here, they have to win against the Packers. So, yeah, I mean, I I thought they had a pretty decent chance against the Lions. I was disappointed there, but I mean, we explained why that loss happened. Yeah, the the, the Packers are not the the Detroit Lions. Now, granted, I understand the NFC North teams play each other tough on on both these games as as they should. But I, I just I have a hard time believing. I think this the, the coaching staff is going to have a lot of questions to answer if they do not beat the Green Bay Packers this weekend. Yes, this is a must-win game. Um, I believe that the Packers 
the Packers are in a similar situation, which is that they need to win too. I don't, I don't believe either. I don't believe the Vikings or the Packers control their own destiny now. I think that the Vikings game with Detroit and the fact that they lost with the Seattle, the Vikings lost with the Seattle win, they no longer control their destiny. So both teams need to win out in order to make the playoffs, and they need a combination of other wins. And so right now, the Vikings have to beat the Packers on Sunday. Uh, the Vikings have to beat the Packers every week. As your listeners know, Matt, as you know, <laughs> I despise the Packers with the, with the passion of a thousand sons. And so if the Vikings lose to the Packers on Sunday and are knocked out of the playoffs, boy, uh, that's going to be tough for me. But they have to win. They have to win on Sunday. Um, is, I, I, I hope they do. I, I think you know, it's not a good team. And the Packers are not a good team. I mean, they, they they try to say we beat Carolina. Carolina's an atrocious team, and so I I'm, I mean I'm still hoping the Vikings get the win. Let me ask you uh, this: Is the Baltimore are the Baltimore Ravens the best team in the league right now? I believe they are. Yeah. I absolutely believe that they are, and I think that I, I, they're the best team. And they are the best team. And the question I think is, you know, in the AFC, who's the best team in the NFC? I I, I think it put a lot of stock in the 49ers right now. Yeah. I think the 49ers are a good team. Um, and the Vikings, you know, and this is this is this is the point I think we're gonna say. It, it, you know, and this is what the reality is for the Vikings team. The truth is, the analysis I think is fair, Matt, is that the Vikings are limping into the playoffs in any in any way in which they're going in. If the Vikings blow out the Packers and blow out the Lions, I don't think anyone in the league, and I don't think you and I as analysts in in our unofficial roles as analysts would say that the Vikings are a strong chance in the playoffs. Uh, but they should, on paper, beat the Packers. Mm-hmm. And the game against the Lions is going to be a tough game for them. Uh, but the Vikings have to win out. And I, as, as the eternal optimist that I want to be, um, you know, we, we forgot to mention, we've lost uh, Hawkinson for the yep. rest of the season. Um, we, this Vikings team has suffered. And I think, I don't want to speak for you, but you've said it so well. You've gone off on a couple of, of, of these, I don't want to say rant, but you've gone off on a couple of these sentences where you've discussed all of the all of what the Vikings had suffered this season in terms of losing Cousins, and we started off the season by not having Thielen, not having Cook. We lost Jefferson for some games. Uh, we've lost Kirk Cousins for the season. We've now lost T.J. Hawkinson. We've had problems in the quarterback position, and here we are, the the last coming into the last week of no, of December with two weeks left in the season, and there is a statistical possibility that the Vikings can make the playoffs. Yep. And that's an impressive position to be in. But I yeah. just, for some reason, have to say, this has been an ugly season. <laughs> this, has been, this has been an exhausting season. and It, it has been, hasn't it? It, it, just, it? Well, it has just because, you know, we, we were riding so high. I mean, we, they corrected their early season problems. They looked like they were going to go make a nice run for it, definitely get a higher playoff uh, position. And now, yeah, here's where we are. But that's kind of the nature of the game. And you know, you know, look at the Baltimore Ravens. Look at Jackson there. I mean, it's he stopped worrying about his 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 fantasy football stats and started started worrying about winning games. And guess what? All of a sudden, he looks like he's the best quarterback in the league right now. So, correct. That's any given Sunday. Yep. And Sunday is a big game for the Vikings. I do agree with you. I do say on one point: if the Vikings lose against the Packers, I worry. I shouldn't say I worry. I think for the first time, if the Vikings lose against the Packers on Sunday. I think there is going to need to be some analysis uh, from a managerial perspective, how we got to this position. Yep. There's been a lot of moves and a lot of plays this season. And I am certainly not in any way, shape or form uh, going to subscribe to the school of thought that uh, Kevin O'Connell needs to go or any changes. in. I'm not saying that anyone needs to go in any leadership position with the Vikings, 
But this has been, there's been a lot of moves this season, and the Vikings have tried a lot of things. And if they don't make the playoffs by losing to the Packers, boy, that one's going to be, it's going to be a tough offseason for Vikings fans. Well, and you'll have, be a tough off season. you'll have to answer the question of why, what, did, what was the decision on the running a game again? And that anyone that was involved in Dalvin Cook going away is going to have to answer that question and, and spend some long, hard hours, uh, you know, facing some scrutiny there. Uh, last thing here, not football related. Uh, it is the last show of the year. What, in your mind, in the state of Minnesota, was the biggest story of the year? If uh, off the top of your head, state you, flag. the state flag. State flag. <laughs> state flag. I have to tell you something. Yeah. Um, the, the state flag is without a doubt the biggest thing that happened to the state this year. I don't want to take anything away from you. The state flag, and if I just may also talk about the big, the, the silliest controversy, conspiracy theory that I've ever heard, is anyone trying to say that the new state flag is somehow tied to Somalia or something else. I have to tell you, uh, there have been some crazy, bizarre theories and conspiracy theories I've heard over the years. But any discussion by any conservative or anyone on that is ridiculous. Uh, I think, but the state flag, without a doubt. Um, uh, you can, I can tell you, that subject, more than anything else, will just drive... Everyone's got an opinion on it, and everyone disagrees. And it's just been a, it's been a very interesting... As someone who was born and raised in the state, um, for some, you know, Minnesotans, boy, for a flag that people didn't really like to begin no with, no one liked that. People are really killing people. I mean, people are really wanting to die on the hill of, that, of an old flag that just blended in with a bunch of everyone. But the new flag that's out there, my goodness, that's the story of the year. Story I, of the year. I, you, I think you brought it up on your podcast. The um I don't know of one flag expert that hasn't looked at the new Minnesota state flag and said, that's an A plus. You guys did a good job. I mean, and, and so there can be disagreement there, but most people think that most of the flag experts, the people that look at flags a lot, they think we did a good job here. Correct. Correct. Yeah. I think, I think it's the top story and it's a very Minnesotan way. That's the type of story that, that it's a very Minnesota story to be the Minnesota story of the year. <laughs> the Sasquatch surfing. Now that was a good one. I, it did not happen for oh, me. that's right. <laughs> the Sasquatch surfing one yeah. was a pretty good one. They did not listen to my pleas. <laughs> or Laser Loon. Right. Laser Loon. We'll, it will never get away from Laser Loon. You, you know that too. Yes, absolutely. I, by the way, let me just say, I think the state seal, the new state seal is great. Oh, exceptional. I think the state seal is fantastic. Exceptional. Uh, I think the new state seal is fantastic and, you know, maybe it should be on the flag. Uh, I got some opinions on the flag. I'm not a fan of that soft blue. Uh, but I think that, uh, boy, it's going to be just wait for the legislative session. I have a feeling that there's going to be flags introduced and there's going to be a whole debate. So the story that I think was of 2023 I think he's going to carry over to 2024. <laughs> wow. Uh, Michael, how about we get, try to get you on next Friday? I would love that. All right. Michael Broadcorp, our Viking expert, political expert, covering things from the Republican side here in the state of Minnesota. Michael, have a great New Year's. Happy New Year's to you, my friend, and we will talk to you next Friday. Stay safe, my friend. Happy New Year to you and all your listeners. Take care. We'll take a break. Come on back. I got some music to take us out this week. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. All right, once again, a little bit of a reminder here for you. We are uh, off on Monday and on Tuesday. We got brand new to you shows for both of those days. Make sure you're listening for that. Have a wonderful and safe New Year's. It's always a, a bit of a dangerous time on the roads out there. Be careful out there. Drive safely. Get back here. We are back live on the 3rd. Taking us out this week, it's the Rolling Stones. It's kind of a banger, too, man. It's angry. It's their new one. I like this quite a bit. 
Enjoy. Have a good week. Wheel back on a Wednesday. Until then, see ya. Don't get-